Hey, good morning, everybody. As you notice, I'm not uh, Pastor Gray. I just wanted to take a moment and do some business uh, for the church. Uh, the pastor's truck has uh, the transmission that's gone out in it. It's got well over 230,000 miles on it. Um, it's going to be, you know, six, five, six thousand dollars just to do the transmission. It has other things in it that will affect its road readiness. Um, there's other issues that are going to have to be done. So at this point, the truck is um, really past the point of being able to be repaired. So what the deacons have done is we've, we've talked to each other, and with the way the church is right now, we are able to go ahead and provide a vehicle to the pastor, and that's what we're wanting to do. Um, we looked at uh, the best vehicle for the fit for what he does, and we decided on the uh, Toyota Tundra. The reason for that is because of the reliability. Uh, we're probably going to have that truck 10 to 12 years if we get it. So um, right now, Kim put my new cell phone on the, the feed. So if you have any questions or concerns, you can give me a call. Um, I don't really want to go into the numbers of it because this isn't you know, just our members that can be seeing this. So um, feel free to give me a call. And uh, that's all I was really had to say. So thank you for your time, and here comes the pastor. Okay, well, uh, I hope the volume is set okay back there. I adjusted the volume just a little bit there for Brother Wayne. Uh, We're going to be in Exodus 21 this morning, Exodus 21, and um, if you want to go ahead and turn there, I know uh, many of our folks are are still homesick, and so we've encouraged people to perhaps watch online this morning rather than come here. And I don't think that's a big uh, uh, thing that folks are worried about right now because most of them are so sick. I texted a lot of them, and many of you may may tune in this morning. I don't know if you will or not because of how sick uh, many of you are. But uh, a lot of the ones that I talked to this morning by way of text um, are uh, pretty much in bed. I mean, it's just really taking a toll out of them. And so uh, please be in prayer uh, for each other, one another. Um, I know Miss Linda Bamer uh, mentioned that uh, she had to go to uh, urgent care and get some uh, IV fluids uh, for dehydration. And um, I know uh, many of the folks are going through probably the worst of it. Uh, probably between yesterday and Monday will be probably the roughest time um, before they begin to kind of mend. And so uh, certainly keep them in prayer, if you will. Uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of our folks uh, are out with uh, this sickness, and so please uh, keep one another in prayer. Also pray for our uh, shut-ins, uh, many of our shut-ins. We've got Brother um, uh, Ron Beckett, of course, and continue to pray for him, the Harrises, Brother Jess and Miss Sarah Harris. And um, if you will, continue to pray for Jean Whitener. Uh, if you'll uh, pray that God will bless her as well. Uh, and then we have... Uh, uh, boy, Brother Wayne, it is hard to talk with just the camera here, <laughs> I'll tell you that. But uh, 
they got Brother Wayne and Brother Harold here. That's about it. But uh, uh, also continue to pray for um, uh, all the other one I had in mind and just lost it there. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, continue to pray for Miss June Bowen, as who was thinking of, uh, who's still continuing to go through treatments and needing treatments and pray for her that she'll have strength and uh, she's got a lot going on um, even in her life and just needs some uh, strength and God's guidance there. Uh, Linda Craig, uh, who continues to have uh, some breathing problems and continue to pray for God to lift her up and strengthen her. And um, we thank the Lord that uh, a few of the folks that got uh, sick a few weeks ago, a week or so ago, have started uh, improving, started turning the corner, and we thank the Lord for that. And uh, pray that you would continue to pray for, or ask that you would continue to pray for them uh, daily. And then uh, we've been, uh, I've been slowly getting in touch with uh, some of our missionaries and have had uh, a couple of phone meetings and uh, one in-person meeting uh, even this week and uh, have had an enjoyable time getting to know some of our missionaries and we're working on our missions program. And for the next several months, perhaps for even the rest of this year, we're going to be emphasizing our missions program here and if you will, be praying for that, that God will give some wisdom and direction there. Uh, also, our church has been uh, looking at getting some new deacons in our church. We've had a few folks nominated, and uh, we were going to actually present uh, those to you uh, this week, I think it was. And with everybody out with the COVID, we're going to postpone that until everybody gets back, probably another week or two at least. And uh, then we'll bring them uh, before you and let them give their testimonies. And if you have any questions for them, uh, they'll be able to answer those. And then we'll uh, pray and see what God would have for a week or so and then uh, take a vote on that. And Lord willing, we'll have uh, at least one or two uh, new deacons. And so pray for God's direction on that. A lot of things to be praying about. And um, want to continue to ask for God's guidance and direction in those areas. Um, got another uh, great blessing this week. In a video from my friend, Brother Constantino Vicente, uh, who we've been praying for that uh, had been in the hospital, still is in the hospital, uh, with complications from COVID. And they really did not have a good prognosis for him here about a month ago. He was in a coma and <clears throat> not looking good uh, on a ventilator. And uh, he's off of that. He's sitting up in bed talking with his family. Uh, last week he was able to sing uh, with his wife a song about the resurrection uh, because he lives. And uh, it was just a joy to see him. And then uh, posted another video of him this week and just seeing how God is strengthening him and even almost uh, it looks like ahead of schedule on his recovery. And so I, I want to just mention thank you for praying for him. And the family uh, is certainly very excited at God doing a work there. And um, then uh, we've had several folks. In fact, I was talking with one, uh, Brother Mark Ayers, um, uh, just by way of text this morning. And uh, some opportunities he's had to be a witness to some folks at work. And uh, God opening the doors for that. And what a joy. I know uh, Brother Kenny had mentioned the other week. Uh, some opportunities he's had, and I know Brother Harold's had a few opportunities, and Miss Sandy, and uh, it's been exciting to hear uh, how God has given opportunity for people to share the gospel, and so pray that God will continue to open those doors and give us those opportunities, and let's be diligent to look for them and pray for them, and uh, pray that God will bless there. Uh, do you guys have anything else we need to pray for that you guys can think of this morning? Okay, if you have a prayer request, what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, if you're listening by way of video, is uh, if you're willing to, go ahead and post that in the comments online so the rest of the church knows about it and can be praying about it. 
And uh, you can put that in there as a prayer request, and we'll be sure to do that this week. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, then we'll get into our lesson this morning. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the privilege to be here. What a joy it is to our hearts to have uh, a copy of your word in our hands, in our own language. We have a country that we feel that we can come freely and worship you and spend time studying and learning your word and allowing your Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts. And Lord, we do not take that lightly. There are many places in this world today that do not enjoy such freedom and such liberty. They don't have the opportunity Many that do not even have uh, one copy of your word in their language. And so, Father, we stand here this morning very grateful. I pray that you'd help us to always cherish every moment that we get around your word and around your people. And uh, as we have opportunity, Lord, may we be uh, committed, may we be consecrated and set aside and dedicated to uh, being faithful in the areas of meeting together and studying your word together and growing personally in our walk with you, that we would take advantage every day of the freedoms that we have here. We pray that you'll bless the requests that have been mentioned of many of our shut-ins that are not able to be with us during this time. We pray that you would bless them, the folks over at My Place Residential, and uh, many of our folks that have not been able to get out during this time of COVID. And we ask that you would give grace there and give encouragement And then, Lord, for so many of our people, I counted the other day 16 that I knew of that uh, were sick, and uh, many of them uh, going through some of the very worst of it probably this weekend. And so, Lord, we ask that your grace would be very evident, that you would strengthen and uh, bring peace to their hearts and their minds and comfort, or the uh, discouragement that comes from feeling that way and, and how difficult it is. I pray that you would... Uh, strengthen them and encourage them today. Help them to know that you are in control still, that you will uh, put your hand upon them and give them the grace that is needed to come through this. And so, Father, we do ask for healing this morning. We ask that you would touch each of their bodies and strengthen them physically, that they would uh, have this sickness and illness uh, be able to uh, go away and for them to recover from it. And so, Lord, we ask that you would touch each and every one of them and uh, uh, that you would have, help them to have full recoveries. Bless the uh, preaching, the teaching time today that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us. And, uh, Father, may we honor and glorify you. Uh, we certainly do not want to bring a reproach to you. And so help us today uh, as we teach it, as we preach your word. And then, Father, as we listen, I pray that our hearts will already be yielded to you and that we will be ready to... Uh, I have have it do its work in our hearts and our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to be in Exodus chapter number 21. And uh, we spent several weeks on Exodus 20 uh, dealing with uh, the Ten Commandments. And uh, we've spent uh, a pretty good deal of time on that. And then also uh, spent a little bit of time dealing with what is the purpose of of those commandments now are they are they applicable to this day and age? And uh, there were two things that uh, I think are very very important when we study uh, any of the commandments that God gives us in the Old Testament. One of them is that the law was not given uh, for the purpose of us keeping it to the point of gaining salvation by keeping it. 
Uh, it was never intended to bring redemption for man. It was simply given to be a schoolmaster to teach us the character of God, the holiness of God, and to show us how we cannot uh, meet the, 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 uh, the holiness of God and the requirements um, that would be necessary. Man cannot do it. It's impossible. Uh, Romans 3, uh, 23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and God uses His law to show us that, that we cannot. If we didn't have the law, there would be no way for you and I to know that we needed a Savior. There would be no way for us to realize that we did not meet uh, the requirements or the, the, uh, the uh, uh, mandates of a holy God and a just God. But then does that negate, now that we're saved and on our way to heaven, we're no longer, the Bible says, under law, but we're under grace. We now live by walking in the Spirit, not by following the law. But uh, So what does the law teach us now? Well, it does the same thing that it did before in that it teaches us the holiness and the standard of God and the character of God. And so if we are to walk in the Spirit in the, in the New Testament from the time of Christ on, uh, we're now walking in the Spirit by grace, then it helps us to know what God does expect from us, what His holy standard is. And I'm thankful that we have an unchanging God that has an unchanging standard and unchanging morals. And we live in a world where uh, societies seem to dictate the morality of man with their uh, governing and the laws that they pass. And the truth is, in the early days of this country, uh, most of those laws were based on the moral standard of God. Most of the people that were involved in lawmaking were, uh, were very staunch and ardent followers of the Word of God, even if maybe some of their doctrine was off, they at least believed that there was a moral standard and a holy God, and they would make the laws regarding uh, our country by reflecting on what is the absolute moral standard of a holy God, and then they would uh, make their best decision on a law uh, from that. Now, the day that we live... Uh, there has been such an effort in our country to remove God and every reference to God and every reference to Scripture completely out of any lawmaking or influence of government. Uh, when our country was established, uh, they wanted to make certain that government could not come into a church and dictate what that church could teach or preach. And so we called it religious liberty. And over the years, uh, one of the things that we have held to is the separation of church and state. Now, that has completely been um, misdefined, if you will, to the point where people today say, well, church has no influence on government. Religion has no influence on government. Uh, the Bible and God have no influence on government. That was never the intent of the government of our country or this, the establishment of the government of our country. Uh, the intent was to keep the government out of the church. But certainly, the influence of the morals of Christianity in this book were at the, the foundational principles of this, this country that we live in today. We've lost that over the years, and we've lost the purpose of the law, the Ten Commandments that God has given to us. It does still serve a purpose in teaching us the moral standard of a holy God that we live our life around. It's an unchanging standard. And while things may change morally in a country, uh, as long as you and I will hold to an unchanging moral center of what God's Word teaches, um, then we're on a sure foundation. And uh, so 
it does still have a purpose. Uh, we don't just discard it. We don't just say, well, uh, now that we're under grace, we don't have to obey the law. In fact, Paul said in Romans chapter number 6, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And, of course, his answer to that was, God forbid. Uh, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And So uh, certainly it is our schoolmaster. It still is the tutor for us. But we're not under its bondage uh, by way of... Uh, living anymore. We now use it to help us understand the character of God, and now we live as we're sensitive to and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And so that's kind of where we left off last week, uh, or two weeks ago. Last week we uh, took that just slightly further and went into um, the idea of God establishing a covenant with man and kind of leading into the uh, what God did on Calvary and Resurrection Sunday and how all that kind of fits together. And that brings us now to Exodus chapter number 21. Now, for the next three chapters, and we're not going to spend nearly as much time. In fact, we'll probably go through, uh, we may get through all of chapter 21 this morning and probably get through maybe even chapter 22 and 23, either uh, some today or next Sunday. Because what the next three chapters do is they take the, the commands that God just gave to Moses and God gives some specific judgments on specific things that were to be used by the judges that were going to judge Israel. Uh, they were to be used as examples and they were to be used as, uh, in this case, if this happens, here's what the judgment should be. And so God gives many examples. Now, He's not exhaustive in this. He's laying um, some very specific things out and saying these are the types of judgments that ought be made based on the law that I've just given you. And uh, so we're going to look at one of them in particular today only because it has um, a lot uh, of application even in today's uh, world and in uh, and the life that you and I live and if you will, let's look in chapter number 21, and we'll look in verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says this, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. So again, God is saying, okay, if there comes an instance where something comes up, here's how I want you to judge or interpret, or let's say it this way, here's how I want you to make application of the laws that I've just given to you. And can I tell you this, Charles Spurgeon said years ago, that uh, when it comes to God's Word, the message begins when the application begins. How often we read Scripture, and we're hearers only. James talks about that, and we never apply it to our lives. The psalmist over and over again would say, uh, incline mine ear, and Lord, help me to incline mine ear, and uh, I want to understand these things. In Psalm 119, <coughs> he talks about the cleansing of a young man, not by knowing the Word of God, or just reading the Word of God, but he says, by taking heed to the Word of God. And that idea gives the idea of application, uh, making, making it part of our lives. And I hope that this is something that we long for in the Christian walk when we, uh, we preach a lot about our walk with God and reading Scripture and knowing Scripture and memorizing Scripture. And I really hope that this becomes uh, the desire of our hearts that we not just understand or read Scripture, but we take what it, what it has and we try and strive to put it into place in the inner man 
and make it a part of us. We now want to do these things uh, because God has revealed them to us. We know now more of his nature. We know more of his character, what pleases him and what displeases him. And so I hope that it is the desire of our hearts. And I believe that this is one of the great signs of Christian maturity or growing is the beginning of applying God's Word. Uh, folks that come, and I, I've seen it over the years, and there's been even moments and segments of my time uh, of time in my life where I've been guilty of this same thing, and that is this, uh, coming to church, hearing preaching, and leaving. And while it was a good message, and boy, I enjoyed it, and it stirred my heart, and it fed me while I was there, uh, there have been moments of my life or segments of my life where I left the church or the teaching of God's Word, or maybe some time that I've spent in God's Word, and I left unchanged. It didn't, it didn't produce anything in me. The application was not there. And so God gives these judgments, uh, and He says to Moses, He says, I want you to set these judgments before them. I want these people to see how this is to apply. And uh, He uses this to help train them uh, how to make application. And I think that's very, very important that this is God's desire and God's heart that we know how to take His Word and make application to it in our lives. Now, he starts off in verse number 2 dealing with the subject of servants or slaves. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Let's read down a few verses here, if you will, beginning in verse number 2. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master shall give him a wife, <coughs> and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. If the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him unto the judges, he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Now, there were four ways in the Old Testament that a person could become a servant or a slave to someone uh, when they were a Hebrew. One of them was if they had uh, extreme poverty. Many times they would sell themselves into uh, servanthood, and what that would do is, while they were still in, uh, bound to their master for the period of six years, during that six years they at least had a place to stay. The master would uh, give them food and lodging. And as we read here, sometimes they would even give them a wife and they would begin to have a family and children. And uh, it would help to take care of them. And in return, they would serve the master. And so they would oftentimes, if they were in extreme poverty, they could not make a living in, in and of themselves, either them and their wives or just them. Uh, they would go and indenture themselves or make themselves slaves or uh, servants to someone that would then take care of them. And they would sell themselves into slavery. In the Hebrew uh, culture back then, again in the Old Testament, uh, sometimes a family would be struggling and they would use their children. They would allow their children to go and serve a master. Now, when we think of slavery, or we use that term, we think the worst of it. We think of the uh, horrible slavery that went on during the 1700s, 1800s, uh, as uh, people were uh, for great gain and for the greed of men that were uh, wicked men 
uh, they would go and capture these folks and against their will would bring them into ships in terrible conditions. They would beat them, uh, bring them over and again put them into terrible positions. This is not the type of slavery that, that, that is being dealt with here. Uh, these, these folks that were servants or slaves to their masters were treated very, very well. They were treated very kindly as part of the family many times uh, as they served. And uh, so again, a lot of times, uh, a poorer family that could not meet the needs of their children, and there was a wealthy master, they would oftentimes indenture their children and with the idea that this is going to give our children uh, a better opportunity. They're going to be able to be under a master that's going to take care of them. They'll get educated. They'll get some really good benefits from being there. And so this was not the way we would think of it, of selling children into slavery, uh, to the way we think of it today. So understand the, the concept there. The third way that they would, or third way you could become a slave back then is if you ended up um, filing for bankruptcy. Then you would be uh, a servant to or indentured to the person that you owed the money to if you could not pay it back. And so you would go into slavery. Uh, and then the uh, fourth way would be if you were a thief, and the Bible will deal with that uh, in chapter 22, I think it is. We, uh, 20, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 22, I think it deals with uh, what, would, what should happen if someone stole and they did it for the purpose of, um, uh, because they were hungry, they didn't have any other means of living or survival. There's a way for God that God allowed them to make restitution for that. And so uh, if they could not do that, they would also then become uh, a servant or a slave to this master. Now, all four of those things would be possibilities of how they would become that. Suffice to say this, that even under that bondage, God set a law and He says you're not to keep them more than six years. In other words, the most you could have them is six years. And on that seventh year, you were to let them go free. Uh, it's interesting to me to note that uh, God is uh, certainly not for the mistreatment of people, unless we think, well, there was slavery and God encouraged it in the Old Testament. Not the way we think of slavery. And I don't want people to get the mindset that God is into uh, the abuse of mankind. These were ways for men who owed or to get a step ahead in life would willingly uh, put themselves at, this, at their disposal. The only one that was... Perhaps an unwilling participant would be the thief, and again, that would be ordered by a judge, uh, and they would be uh, committed to that master for a period of years to pay back uh, what he had stolen. By the way, uh, if we do a little bit more of that in the day that we live, I think there'd be a lot less thievery going on, uh, a lot less stealing going on. And again, you know, you really can't improve on God's way of doing things, can you? Uh, I know some people may look at this and say, well, that was a horrible thing that they could do this and have slaves. But understand that, that many of these times, in fact, he deals with it here, and we're going to look at this part of it in just a second. Many times, as these people would serve for six years, the masters treated them so well and so much like family that oftentimes when they were given their liberty, they didn't want it. They said, we want to continue to serve our master. Boy, my life is good here. Uh, he's given me a wife. I now have children. I, I love my master. I love serving him. He's made my life better. And uh, so oftentimes they would say, I don't want to uh, leave my master. And let's look at that real quick. In verse number uh, 5, <clears throat> the Bible says, And if the servant shall plainly say, 
Now again, the word plainly say here in that expression means uh, he's not being forced by his master to say this before a judge. But he's of a willing spirit. He's plainly saying this. He said, I love my master, my wife, my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Now, I'm not going to preach about uh, pierced ears today or uh, get into the issues of is it right or is it wrong. I'm going to tell you what happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, a person that had pierced their ear said, I am under the servitude of a master, and I'm doing it of my own will. And they were known as bond slaves or bond servants. And once they made that commitment, it was not for six years. At that point, it now becomes a lifelong commitment to the master. I now belong to him. And it's interesting to me because the significance of the all through the ear. Uh, I've read a little bit about the culture and why, why the ear? Why, did that, why was that such a big thing? And uh, the idea was that when you were serving the master, you were always listening for his word and what he was asking you to do. And you were to be uh, obedient to the master based on what he had told you to do. And the idea of putting the all through the ear was saying, this, this ear no longer belongs to me. It now is for my master and him alone. And to give the idea that I'm listening for his will and what he needs and even things maybe that he doesn't tell me, but I hear that he has a need of, I want to go meet that need. There are multiple times in Scripture that even in the New Testament, the idea or the concept, not of putting an all through your ear, but the idea or the concept of we as God's people giving our ear to God. Even the psalmist said so often, I just mentioned a few moments ago, incline mine ear. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. I want to make sure that I understand this. Uh, you go to the book of Revelation and the seven letters to the seven churches. And they begin the letters. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so this idea in the Old Testament, again, God uses so many things in the Old Testament to picture spiritual truths that are illustrated in the Old Testament that we ought to be doing in the New Testament. And so uh, this idea of uh, we now become bond servants to the Lord, uh, not by duty, no, no longer does that servant or that slave have to serve their master. Now they get to serve their master. Do you see the difference here? One is of debt. The other is because of their great love for their master. And I think so many times we as God's people uh, are, are unsatisfied, frustrated, perhaps, in serving God because we look at it as we are servants of God because we have to, because of what He's done for us. Instead of what He has done for us causes us to love Him so much that I want to do what His will is. I want to, do, I want to hear what, his, what, what is it that makes His heart glad. And I want to do it. I want to incline my ear. I want to give myself to that. I, I want to give my heart to that. Open my heart. Open my eyes. Open my ears. And I want to make sure that I, I'm following what God uh, wants in these matters. And so often, uh, we, uh, we 
uh, I think all, uh, even from our pulpits, if unintentionally, so often we teach people that, boy, we ought to serve God, you ought to get out there and serve God, and you ought to do it because you owe God a great debt. I have a problem with teaching that, okay? And this is why. Can we ever, ever, by anything that we do, can we ever repay God for the debt that we owe Him? No. So stop trying to repay a debt and say, now I'm going to serve because I love Him for what He has done for me. Big difference in how we approach things. It's interesting to me, if you will take your Bibles, turn to John chapter number 15. Hold your place here, we'll be back in just a moment. John chapter number 15. And uh, it's very interesting to me, as Jesus is speaking to His disciples, He says, Henceforth I call you not... What's the next word here? uh, John 15, verse number 15. He says, uh, Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you what? I've called you what? Friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Verse 14, he says, Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So God does not consider us, the Lord Jesus Christ does not consider us His servants. He considers us His friends. But now I want you to keep that in mind for a minute, and let's look in Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1. So again, we're not under the law. We are not bound. We are not indebted. Do we owe God a great debt? Absolutely. But we don't serve because of that debt. We've been set free from the law. And look at what it says here in Romans chapter number 1. Now, Christ has already told His disciples, He's already told the apostles, you're not servants. I don't call you servants. I call you friends. But look what Paul says here. Paul, a what? A servant of Jesus Christ. That's kind of important, isn't it? Look with me again in the book of James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1 and verse number 1. James 1 and verse number 1. He starts off, James a what? Servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes. How about Peter? Uh, let's see, First Peter, I think it is. And let's see, I know it's in Second Peter. Let's see if he's got it in all of them. Nope, it's Second Peter. All right, so Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, let's look in uh, the book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation. And again, you already know what's coming. He starts off his book, or his letter, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Now, Christ had already told these fellows, I don't look at you as servants. I, I, I don't, I'm not holding you under debt or bondage. You have liberty. And yet these apostles came back and said, I'm your servant. What were they saying? They were saying, because of my love, I will serve you. Not for six years, but for the rest of my life. I am willingly becoming a bond servant for Christ. And I think that when it comes to our Christian service, we ought to look at it from the standpoint of a bond servant more than a slave or a servant that was there because of the great debt that they owed him. And I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this in chapter 21 because I think it's so important in the day that we live that we understand the Christian life is not something that we live simply because we have to. 
but it is something that we do because we love Him. It's not something that God holds over us and lords over us and makes us feel like we're, we're this tall because of, uh, He doesn't come out and say, because of all this stuff I've done for you, I'm requiring you, I'm making you, you better obey. That's not at all what God did. In fact, He gave us free will, didn't He? But He does want us to love Him. Does He want us to serve Him? Absolutely. But not by obligation. By love. We began to look at the reasons that these men, and some of us would say, why in the world would these people commit the rest of their life to be a slave or a servant to a master? Can I say it this way? Because the master treated them so well that they loved him for it. And can I tell you this? Why in the world would any person give themselves a living sacrifice to God and say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything I've got, not just for six years, but for the rest of my life. Why in the world would we do that? There's only one answer. Because we love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. We'll pick up there next week, and we'll deal with some of the rest of this. We'll move quickly through the next two and a half chapters, and then some more stuff on the other side of that with... Uh, some things with Moses, and we'll be excited to get into some of those things. We begin to look at the tabernacle here in just a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that, and uh, boy, that's an interesting study, and looking forward to that. Let's bow our heads in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for your word, and uh, Lord, when we think of this idea of the bond servant, these folks that would say they loved their master so much because of what he had done for them, They didn't look at it as the debt that they owed. They looked at it as the fact that they loved Him with all their hearts. Lord, I pray that You would help us to be such Christians. That even though Christ looks at us and calls us friend, we might look to Him and say, Lord, I'm Your servant. Help us in the day and the hour that we live to have such folks as to recognize and to love God for all these things so much that they're willing to lay down their lives and say, I'm going to incline my ear. I'm going to give it to the Master. I want to see what He has to say. I want to know His heart. I want to know the things that make Him happy. I want to know the things that would make Him sad. And I want to live in such a way as to please Him. Lord, may we commit to that. May we consecrate ourselves to that for the rest of our lives, that spiritually we may grow. And I pray that you would help us to always remember the idea, the concept of the bond servant, and how it ought to apply in our hearts and our lives when it comes to our service for you, our love for you, our dedication to you. I pray that you'll dismiss us. Blessed with the service to come in just a few moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.